Broadcasting from Chico, California, this is the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast, where we discuss NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fishery science and management, conservation, and more. Know better, fish better. Here's your hosts, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. This episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast is brought to you by California Trout. Working throughout the state to ensure we have resilient wild fish thriving in healthy waters for a better California. Support Caltrout's innovative science-based work by becoming a member or donating today at caltrout.org. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Alderson. So I got a special one for you. I guys have been doing a lot of research on kayaks because with this quarantine, um, you know, it's a solo mission. You got to go uh, one man in no one leaves right so i've been doing a lot of kayak research trying to decide if i wanted to get a kayak and i finally decided to get a kayak and i ended up getting a kayak through a place up in redding california called headwaters adventure company and i'm with brian onenson did i say your name right you did it's so i i have a i'm notorious for messing up names and and yours isn't easy and i got it right the first time so hopefully the rest of this interview goes just as smooth but um, anyway, thanks for having me up. I'm I'm actually in the shop today, and so there's you'll hear possibly a little bit of an echo, but the audio quality, unlike the last like six episodes, seven episodes, will be good because we're face to face, six six feet apart, but face to face. So it's it's nice to be able to like have you know two guys on a mic again, and and face to face discussions are always just better and easier to do. It's tough to do over a computer, man. Yeah, man. So how, how did you get into the, decide to like get into kayaking to begin with? So I actually, um, I got my first kayak probably about 15 years ago. Um, started fishing about that same time out of kayaks. We were, Oh, so you went straight when you started fishing, you went just straight into kayaks. I mean, we, we dove in, like I said, at first, um, my first kayak was obviously fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't jump into like a Hobie, not like you, um, but it did what we wanted it to do. I mean, we were we were floating, like I said, local creeks, going out to Shasta Lake, yeah, that kind of stuff. Just something to get us off the shore at that point, yeah. Um, and then it kind of morphed into what you see here. I mean, yeah, it you know it's a whole yet a whole nother genre subgenre of, of fishing. It um, it's got its own groups of people. It there's, there's YouTube channels that are, that are, you can just go down this crazy bunny hole, which I have been the last six weeks on the, on this, uh, you know, once you thing. start researching and then once you do get your there's, own kayak, it's yeah. like a black hole, man. It's, yeah. yeah. The, the thing that's really cool about it is if you're like, if you're eventually going to own a boat, boat, like more than just you boat, everything's kind of the same. The electronics are the same, you know, like the, the, the concepts of you know circuits and things like this apply will apply directly to a boat owner. I believe. I think it that's does. my take. So when we first started, obviously we were doing everything DIY. I mean, we used yeah. to glue D- transducers do it yourself down for the people that don't know what DIY is on in this space. Yeah, we uh, we were gluing down transducers inside the holes with like marine goop, trying to get them to shoot through holes. We were doing water baths. What's um, that? So we used to like cut the bottom out of a Tupperware okay. dish, yeah. glue it to the bottom of our kayaks and then fill that with water and put the transducer in that to try Holy to get to shit. shoot through the hole. Cause there was really no other way of mounting transducers on yeah. kayaks at that time. Yeah. Um, and then we were using like heavy motorcycle batteries 
So we had this like 20 pound battery in the back of our kayak trying yeah. to run fish finders. It, it's interesting because one thing I noticed about this, this particular segment of the fishing industry is that everyone kind of, there, there's a ton of DIY videos on how to hack this together, how to hack that. And I guess it's just like part of the culture because what you're saying is you guys didn't have a lot to deal with on the product side. Eventually the products caught up to what you guys were doing, but right. we had, I mean, definitely Hobie's one of the leaders in yeah. kind of just getting new stuff out there. I mean, transducer mounts, built in yeah. tracks, um, pedal systems. I mean, Hobie actually released their first, uh, Mirage drive kayak back in 97. So they've been doing this for geez, 22 years now. Yeah. yeah. 22, 23 years. Um, so they've, they've had Mirage drive pedal drive kayaks out for yeah. a long time. They well, just weren't fishing oriented. Yeah. There, there's just so much to talk about. I'm like trying to decide wh- what to talk about first. Um, I'm going to, this is going to be like the kayak buyer's guide episode. So for sure. let's, you kind of coach me on like, where should we start and assume it's a newbie and then we'll just kind of let's build, let's put some base knowledge down and then we'll just kind of build on top of that. Is that cool? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I mean, w- when somebody comes into the shop and they say, I want a fishing kayak, one of the first things we ask is where are you fishing? Mm-hmm. You know, are you fishing small creeks? Are you fishing small ponds? Are you fishing big lakes? Um, are you fishing the ocean? I mean, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is we, we like to try to pry as much information out of the customer yeah. before we just throw them into a kayak. Yeah. Um, so that from there we can determine like length of kayak that they, that would fit them the best yeah. um, features for the kayak too. Cause an ocean, somebody that's fishing the ocean isn't necessarily going to want the same stuff as somebody fishing like a small Creek. Um, so it just depends on what they want to do with it. And I mean, the right tool for the right job, essentially. Yeah. Uh, let, let's assume it's, you know, people in the Bay, you know, like Northern California. So the Bay area up and, and stick in California. So that we, we have, it's, it's an interesting thing the, the probably the answer is there's, you probably need more than one boat if you're going to do it right. But, um, yeah. is there, how do you, because we have a diverse water thing like everything you rattled off is what we have access to right so where you know from a, a new buyer's perspective and, the, and let's say they're going to do mostly like still water maybe some estuaries and maybe like bigger slow running moving creeks or streams yeah i mean something like that you're probably looking for i mean obviously sit on top yeah I mean, 99 percent of your fishing kayaks are going to be sit on top kayaks and what's the what's the definition of that versus whatever the other thing is so like a sit inside kayak is a kayak with a cockpit that you sit inside of your legs like you'd see on white water kind of thing yeah like a white water kayak sea kayak okay sit inside kayaks okay um sit on tops or where you just sit on the deck of the kayak um there's nothing covering your legs yeah um you're completely open to the elements yeah so like i said we we try to prize Mm -hmm. most as much info out of the person as we can. Yeah. Um, if they're fishing everything we do have, I mean, like you said, we have access to essentially whatever you want around here. I mean, you can go fish Shasta, head three hours to the West, you're fishing the ocean. So if a better, like you said, if a beginner were to walk in here, um, I mean, we've got kayaks that start from 599 bucks and go up from there. Um, and they're great fishing kayaks. I mean, I've taken one down that same kayak essentially everywhere you can go around here. Um, we like to try out kayaks ourselves. So we know what we're talking about. 
Yeah, I was watching a video. Um, the guy that normally does videos for you guys out of Sacramento, I forget his name, but you got you had said yourself that you'd you'd personally been in over a thousand different kayaks. That's insane. Yeah, well, that's one thing nice about owning a kayak shop is you have Just, access to yeah. anything you want. Yeah, um, and we do all sorts. of, I mean, between me and him, I mean, we we see kayak, we fish out of kayaks, we paddle canoes, paddle boards. So we have a pretty vast knowledge of what somebody might be interested in, yeah. uh, which definitely helps people picking out their first kayak. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got, even just here at this store, um, probably about over 300 kayaks in stock. So we can definitely fit somebody to something that's going to yeah. work for them. And fit's pretty important in terms of like, you know, body size is probably a thing, right? Like you, for me, I'm six three two sixty on a on a light day if I haven't had a burrito. For sure. And, you know, I, I, I personally, I, I was looking for something long and wide because I wanted to be able to stand up because I do, I do conventional now and fly fish, obviously. So I'm kind of doing both out of it. I'm going to be standing up and going to be seated. So I needed a, a stablest platform I could get pretty much. Yeah. And but, there are certain kayaks that you're able to stand up in. Um, yeah. It definitely depends on body size. Um you can, I can essentially stand up in any, I can stand up in a 29 inch wide sea kayak. So it just depends on the person's balance, the person's size, their, even just how they're built definitely factors into what fits them the best. What, why do, why do guys, you know, out of all the different things you can fish from and, and, and go do fishing wise, why, what appeal, I think, why are people drawn to kayaks? Do you think from an angling perspective, what is it, what's the benefit of it? I guess. I feel, I mean, me personally, um, it's more one-on-one with the water. You're not necessarily using, I mean, obviously with pedal drive kayaks, it is a mechanical device, but there's no loud motor noises. Um, It's just a little more peaceful for me for Mm. one. Um, And I can get away from people a little easier on a kayak, I feel like. Um, I can kind of just, I can load up the kayak by myself, Yeah, head out to the water and I can fish the river here in town, I can fish Shasta Lake. Um, and it's something that I can do on my own. Yeah. I mean that for me, that was one of the biggest drivers for me doing, deciding to get the kayak is because of this, this quarantine, I've been driving a lot around and being on Google a lot, looking at satellite stuff and going, damn, I would, I would love to fish that, but I can't get a boat in there or it's private property, but with a kayak, you can put in somewhere, portage it short, get it into water, this public access, and then go up or down to get into that private area that you wouldn't be able to access otherwise. Right. And we fish a lot of waterways that don't allow power boats that don't allow electric motors. So it definitely opens up a lot of other waterways to fish. that You wouldn't necessarily have access to with a a lot less pressure too. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and we, like I said, we, I've got a lot of family up here in Reading, so I have access to a lot of private stuff. Um, oh, that's cool. We can just, I mean, throw carts underneath our kayaks and walk a mile or two into the waterway, and you're fishing. Yeah, you're, you're fishing off the shore, which is definitely, I mean, that's where you want to be. And are you mostly a bass guy then? Uh, to be honest, a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. I'll fish here at whiskey town I and mean, we will troll we troll for kokanee all the time um we'll out of the kayak mm-hmm. okay yeah we we put full-on downriggers on our kayak oh, oh shit and then so you you roll them out the back you're not going backwards then or 
Right. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're mounting it essentially off the side of the boat. Okay. Like so you can rig a downrigger on these things pretty oh, yeah. much. Yeah. That's. I guess that gets back to what I was saying. They are kind of like a boat, pretty much. Yeah. In terms of what you can do, the accessories that you can add to kayaks nowadays is essentially in line with yeah. a powerboat. Yeah. They're like the AR-15. You can customize the shit out of them. You basically. can. I mean, gear, between the gear tracks that you have on the boat and just mounting abilities, we can mount electric downriggers. Yeah. Um, obviously, like electric anchors, power poles. Yeah. Um, and and it looks like you know the electronics are getting pretty plug and play these days. Like there's Yak Power, which you turned me on to, and there's some other manufacturers out there. Can you kind of talk about? just electrical systems and, and for the DIY folks and then what you guys offer as a service also. Yeah. So yak power is definitely up the game with, um, electrical systems within kayaks. I mean, very plug and play like battery systems, essentially that you're able to switch on and off with like one control panel. Um, what that allows you to do is run lights. You can run, power to GoPros. You can run power to fish finders. All day power to GoPros. Yeah. yeah. And we can, with lithium, with the technology that lithium batteries are coming out with, I mean, you can get a 30, 40 amp hour lithium battery that weighs 12 pounds. Yeah. So it, and, and those we're, we're putting on the two, what, what's the brand? Those two, uh, Nakwa. Nakwa 10 hour amp hour batteries that are daisy chained or are they parallel? Yeah. So Nakwa, they have what they call their smart link battery connector mm. which allows two of their lithium batteries to be connected as one um and what that allows you to do is it gives you 20 amp hours of battery essentially um that'll get you through at least one day if not two or three yeah and i i wanted to put enough power on the boat to grow into because right now i'm not putting any electronics on it just for budgeting reasons but i do want to put you know I, I do want to put some electronics on it um, down the road, but we, you know, we were talking before we hit record, like I want to get a, a live scope on it, but I want that live scope to be something I can utilize on, on the jet boat and on the drift boat also kind of on lakes. system. Yeah. So we're talking about like basically putting the, the live scope into a Pelican case and porting that for electronics, but have the battery built into it also into the box. So it's basically a briefcase uh, life scope brain, if you will. And then I'll just be able to grab that case, drop it into the back of the kayak, put in one or two plugs, I guess, I guess one plug to the head unit really. Right. So to the head unit, it's yeah. one plug and then power yeah. and power, but the power will be in the case. Right. So, um, I guess there's going to be two ports on it and then I'll be able to take that and put it in the jet boat also, if I want to with a different transducer arm, of course, but there's DIY stuff on, on how to make transducer arms for, pretty you know for like 18 bucks i saw and, right. and pretty cool stuff so yeah there it, it's really it's really interesting what's what's happening in the space um if you can get a kayak um there i don't like what what would you say is like a realistic budget for your first fishing kayak that you're not gonna want to replace in a year so what we usually tell people um if you're not getting into like a pellet and pedal drive kayak something like that yeah. um budget yourself Generally a thousand to twelve hundred bucks. Okay. Um, we have some really nice fishing kayaks for like seven ninety nine. Um, but if you're paddling a kayak, mm-hmm. you want to spend the money on a paddle, a decent paddle. What that does is it gives you a fairly lightweight paddle to swing. Like the the, the paddle with the two the two paddles on the end two and the blades. the bl- in the big 
thing in the middle, right. literally the paddle, not the no, drive. Not yeah. the pedal drive, the but paddle. what you're going to be holding on to. Right. This okay. is how you're going to be propelling your kayak. Um, talk about that. Talk, talk about the importance of the paddle a little bit because, um, go ahead. Grab that. We'll be right back. No collar. They, uh, nerfed it. Anyway, we were talking about paddle drive or paddles and, and the, uh, why a paddle is important. Right. So, I mean, you can go to Walmart and pick up a $20 paddle. This is going to be like an aluminum shaft, plastic blade thing weighs probably more than a bag of cement. Um, the materials that paddles are made out of have definitely come a long ways. I mean, we're getting into like carbon, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a decent paddle for say like a kayak fisherman, you're looking about 200 bucks. Um, but you're swinging half the weight. So, what we tell eight hour day that's a big deal yeah every mile you paddle yourself paddling a kayak you swing that thing about two thousand times so that's just paddling from point a to point b a mile long that's two thousand swings i mean that adds up to a lot of weight by the time you're done ounces become pounds by the end of the day yeah and if you're fishing like it seems like you'd want to pedal drive if you're if you're going to be fishing just to have hands free yeah ideally uh yeah it's if you're fishing a lot it's the only way to go yeah and so what's a what's a good entry level pedal drive system and what what would you expect to spend on it like brand and model wise like in in 2020 um so hobie now has their entry level series of kayaks that still has rod holders built into it outback uh it's actually called the passport Passport, passport 10 and a half and passport 12 those things start at thirteen ninety nine and fifteen ninety nine. Okay, and they still have some fishing features to them. They're just not as decked out as, say, like the Outback or the Pro Angler or anything like that. So they conceivably could be used for other things other than fly, other than fishing. You could, right. you know, take them up to the lake one weekend and just fart around on them as like. A we still have a lot of people thing. that buy fishing or buy Hobies pedal drive kayaks just yeah. for the workout, just okay. to get out and pedal. Because if you get out and just pedal for three hours straight. Yeah. You're going to feel it. Your legs. Yeah. The, um, I do want to talk about the pedal drives in a, in a minute. Cause they're, it's really interesting. The technology, the different types of drive systems there are on, on kayaks and what's available and what the characteristics of why you'd want to choose one, one type over the other, um, on the electronics. The, I, I guess the main thing is it's not as daunting. I think the main takeaway on the electronics side from what I've been able to research and then talking to you several times on the phone now, um, they're not as hard to set up even DIY as they used to be. You don't even really need to understand circuits anymore. If you've, if you use a switch like the yak power switch or something like that. But if you, if you want to do your own system, then you need to understand circuits and, and power systems a little bit more than just jumping into it. Right. Well, even nowadays, um, if you're not using, say like this circuit, this yak power system, yeah. you can still run the power wire of your fish finder straight to a battery. Um, obviously you want it fused just in case. Yeah. Um, but a lot of installs, just simple installs that we do are just running power wires directly to batteries. Okay. So it makes it pretty easy. Does a yak power system have like, um, I didn't even check, but do they have fuses in line on each one of the connectors? How does that, how does that work? My dog's going crazy. Uh, yeah. I've got somebody coming to pick up. Okay. We'll have to come back. Yeah. I've got okay. to take care of them. I'm going to pause real quick. So we left off on um, fuses, inline fuses on those, those switches, those, those yak power switch switches. Yeah. So, 
Um, a lot of guys just run a fuse between the Yak Power switcher and the battery itself. Okay. Um, there really isn't a whole lot that can short between the controller and the accessories, so we don't okay. usually worry about that. Um, it's just fusing the whole system. It's itself. just the upline power, I guess. Right, yeah. in between the battery and the Yak Power controller. And you just put a, a single inline fuse yeah, in like there? Yeah, okay. like 20 amp hour fuse, or 20 amp fuse. Okay, cool. Between that. Um, where what was I going to, so we talked about electronics a bit. I mean, the, the sky's limit on electronics. You can spend a pile of money on oh, them or you, yeah. lights, USB ports. Yeah. USB ports. So all day power for, for GoPros. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to run a GoPro for, you know, eight plus hours on loop and, and use the looping feature, which a lot of the anglers do these days. Um, you need all day power and unless you have a big fat battery for each one of your GoPros, it makes more sense. I think to just hardline them into the boat, right? You get a lot more consistent battery uh, power. Yeah. Essentially. Um, yeah. and it's not, I mean, back in the day, if we were running GoPros, you were stopping, swapping batteries yeah. at that point, you're taking the GoPro out of its waterproof case. Yeah. I've, I've lost, I don't know how many GoPros it's insane. Yeah. Um, there's, there, there's just so many. It, it, this is like a three-parter to be honest but it we, we're going to try and do it in one because there's so many things to talk about right um so l- l- i want to keep it to kind of like your entry-level angler that's t- getting their first their first boat for sure um so if you're you, you you talked about the paddles and we talked a bit about um the drive we, we alluded to talking about the drive systems but let's Let's talk about like pedal drive systems and and all the different kinds that are out there and and where they fall budget wise. For sure. So cool. essentially, we have in the kayak fishing industry or kayak industry, you've got your fin drive, which is like Hobie, and you've got prop drive, which there's a few com- quite a few companies out there coming out with prop driven systems. Yeah. So you've got like Native and Jackson um, Wilderness. There's all kinds of different drive systems out there. Um, Biggest thing about, say, like prop drive systems compared to what Hobie has is you get an instant reverse. So you start pedaling that on the prop. backwards on the prop. Mm-hmm. Um, another one downside to that is props are pitched to go one way. Right? Okay. So you're, you're, the props pitched to go forwards, so you get pretty much all your power going yeah, forwards. They bite into the pedal. water. Right. You yeah. get cavitation, I assume, on the back, you back kick. Yeah. So, it, it, like you said, they do kind of cavitate a little bit trying to pedal backwards really fast yeah. um, but it's instant so you can kind of there's an upside and downside to that mm-hmm. um, and that's pretty much with all prop drive systems um, there's not a whole lot of variance that you can get with prop drive systems uh, when you go to fin drive what hobie's done is their original drive was forwards only you had no reverse if you wanted to go backwards you grab your paddle and paddled yourself backwards. Um, what that does is, I mean, it kind of requires you to put your rod down, grab your paddle, paddle yourself backwards. It takes time. Uh, yeah. But we've kind of figured out up until they had reverse, you can kind of gauge where you can go with the boat. So you can circle around coves, um, circle into things and circle out. So you don't have to worry about dropping rods, putting rods. Oh, okay. Down. So you like figure out what the t- turning radius is for the boat right, and you yeah. just kind of plan to work within that constraint. Exactly. Basically. Okay. Um, now quite a few years ago or a couple of years ago, Hobie came out with their 180 drive, the MD 180. Um, what that did is it allowed you to pull 
on some tabs connected to the drive that spun the fins around underneath the boat. Um, so you could do that one-handed, still holding your rod. But what that required is there, again, you're spending a little more time stopping, pulling that yeah. tab, and going backwards. It's yeah. still not like an instant. Um, but you get the full amount of power going backwards. So those fins spin around, and you're going backwards. At okay, and, and, and they still have the 180 drives on the lower-end models, right? right? And then what they did this year for 2020 is they came out with their what they call the MD360, which is only in the pro anglers. And it allows you to control the fins, like the head of the drive underneath the boat with a handle on the kayak, which allows you to spin the drive, spin the fins a full 360 degrees as many times as you want an infinite amount of time. Yeah. It's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool piece feat of engineering that they've done. It's, it's really neat. Um, it looks very intricate and it looks like it's going to break, but that's why you have a warranty. Yeah, and it's a Gen 1 product, too, which I'm a little concerned with. But we'll see. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. They're, they're known for their return policies and all that, too. I've so. used mine a lot. I, yeah. I abuse all my stuff. I I can't have nice things. Yeah. I break everything. And I've put this drive through the ringer so far already. Um, another thing that they did add for 2020 was the kick-up fin feature, which they didn't have prior to this which allows the fins to, they're actually kind of like on a hinge underneath mm-hmm. the boat. So if you hit something, the fins actually kick up against the bottom of the kayak yeah. out of the way of the obstruction that you hit. Yeah, and, and like to, to picture what these fins are, because they're, they, they're, not, they're not like a traditional um, um, prop. They're, you know, picture like a single prop airplane, but hinged in the, in the, at the axle where the both props point down. Is that a good way to think of it? Hobie actually, what they used, um, what they studied is how penguins move through the water. Oh yeah. 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 Fly. So they don't really, they're not like a fish. They don't swim. Penguins actually flap. I don't know if they, I don't know the technical term, but kind of like wings when they move through the water. Yeah. Um, That's kind of on the older drives. There was actually a sticker on the side of the drive. That was a penguin. Oh, okay. So Cause they, they kind of like, they basically like feather their arms. Like you would, if you're going to tread water right. almost. Right. Exactly. So and the, those fins are really cool. If you watch videos on YouTube, you can see how they work. And then the kick up fins technology just allows you to, they just break away basically. And then self correct when you're past the obstruction that right. made them break away. In the you first just place. start pedaling again and off you go. Yeah. They're, it's, it's really cool. Um, and then just how, how maneuverable they are is pretty crazy. I mean, you can turn on a dime on Especially them. Especially with, so when I first, excuse me, when I first paddled the, uh, the 360, when I first took that out, um, I could maneuver a 14 foot pro angler. I mean, this 140 pound kayak, the same way I do a sea kayak, I can move the thing sideways. I mean, I can, I can yeah. turn those fins to the left, start pedaling and off. You go. Do you, do you utilize like the back rudder when you're doing stuff like that or no? So what we've been telling people that have been purchasing these kayaks. The fins are for your, what we would say like micro adjustments. Okay. The rudders for your macro, like so bigger turns, that kind of stuff. The fins are to essentially move, maneuver the kayak in tight areas. The rudder is to control the kayak in like longer lake. Crossings. Okay. And then I've, I've watched um, another thing that I was concerned with like fins versus, versus the, uh, 
the propeller was that this, there would be some speed issues. Um, but if all things are the same, if, you know, length width of the kayaks are exactly the same, the drives are different prop versus fin, which is faster. So that's kind of been a battle over the years. What we've kind of, what I've come to is the fins give you a little more low end power. So you take like two strokes and the boat's moving. Whereas a Mm. prop, you kind of have to get that prop spinning Mm. to propel the kayak. Um, But as far as top speed goes, I mean, same boat, prop drive, fin drive. Mm. We, I haven't really come across anything that's faster, faster than than a prop. Yeah. I mean, once you get that prop going, I mean, it's, it's, it goes, it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, I, I've not like talk about boat length and speed. Yeah. So the longer the boat, the faster the boat, the longer water line you get. Um, but what's a water line. So where the bow of the boat and the stern of the boat come into the water essentially. Okay. Um, so longer boats are generally faster. They track better. Um, they just, they're overall faster and straighter. A shorter boat is going to be a little bit slower, a little more squirrely, um, but a lot more maneuverable. So turning radiuses, that kind of okay. stuff. So this is why you see when guys are on rowing teams and stuff, they're, they're stacked vertically rather than horizontally. Right. Yeah. So you're, okay. I mean, when you're looking at like outrigger canoe teams and that kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. boats are, upwards of 20, 30, 40 feet long. Yeah. Um, if it, for fly fishermen, what, what boats would you recommend model wise? Cause I know, um, Johnson's got, uh, one specific, is it Johnson kayak mm, with their Jackson Jackson? Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jackson's fly. got that, that big fly. Is it called? I think it's called the Mayfly Mayfly. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's purpose bill for fly fishing. It's pretty much a snag free. I was looking at it, but I was like, eh, I don't want to pedal or I don't want to, I don't want to paddle too much. So that's why I opted out of it and went for the one that I did. But, um, can you kind of talk about, you know, for fly fishermen, cause the majority of, I would say 80% of the folks that listen to this are, are fly anglers first. I would, I would imagine what would you recommend for them? So, there again, like you said, pedal drive kayaks. One thing that's nice is your hands-free. So mm. you don't have to worry about grabbing a paddle, casting, that kind of stuff. You're 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 propelling the boat and you can keep the boat in place with your feet, essentially. Yeah. Um one thing with fly fishing is when you're stripping, you have that line kind of sitting around the kayak. You yeah. have to be a little aware of where that line's going. Yeah. You can I've found myself getting line caught up in the pedals underneath the seat. Um, so you do have to be a little more conscious of how you're stripping that kind of stuff. Um, but you can, you can do things. I know they've got like stripping baskets you can wear that I've seen fly fishermen use in Hobies. Yeah. Um, so that definitely helps. And then if you want to stand up in it too, I mean, obviously fly fishing sitting down can get kind of tough. Yeah. I've been, I've been, I've got an idea to put like a, sort of a stripping basket on it on a swing arm that would that would when you're not using it tucks behind the seat and then but it's like mounted to one of the side posts on the the seat back itself and it's on like a i don't know it's like if you've seen like a a monitor arm mount for a Mm -hmm. monitor visa like wall arms that kind of stuff yeah yeah exactly so it's like hinged and then it would just fold up behind you but then slide out and onto your stripping down down hand when you're 
when you want to use it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that would definitely, with, you know, like spikes on underneath of it just to keep it off the deck, because that's my biggest concern right now is the boat's going to be snaggy fly line wise. And that's one of the reasons I'm kind of holding off on the accessories to go after until I do more research and see which one's the least grabby. For sure. I guess. I mean, couldn't like when you're conventional fishing with like, say like a bait caster, like casting, yeah. fishing, that kind of stuff. Um, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but like you said, getting into fly fishing, you have to be a little more conscious of where that line's going. I mean, um, I got, I kind of, I've figured out where you can just sort of strip it off the boat out into the, the kayak, water, yeah. just into the water. You don't have to worry about it as much, but then if, if the wind's blowing, you blow over that line, you're getting the line yeah. caught up in your fins or your yeah. rudder, and then you're back in the same issue. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to be carrying conventional rods on my boat as well. I'm, I've been honestly like the last two months, I've been almost a hundred percent conventional just trying to, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around that space a little bit more. And, and I think that there's, I want to have a conventional rod on my boat for certain situations. It's kind of like, you know, the reason you do MMA and an MMA guy destroy, destroys a karate guy is if, if, um, you know, somebody tries to do a leg shoot on a karate guy, it's over. But, yeah, it, but if you have takedown defense, then, you know, and the, and the, the, the analogy I'm trying to make is like, if you're if the wind kicks up and you're on the, on the water and that, you know, and it's where you can't even cast into it with a fly rod, that's the equivalent of that guy doing a leg shoot on that karate guy. <laughs> and if you don't have a takedown defense being, the conventional rod to, to show, then you're kind of fucking done. You just yeah, you're paddle toast. back in with your head between your legs. Well, that's one thing nice about pedal drive kayaks is yeah. even if the wind picks up, you can stay out. So if you say you've got your spinning rod out there with you, the wind picks up, you can't cast into the wind or with the wind with like a fly rod. You yeah. can still stay out there. Um, and we do everything. I mean, I fish, I'll fish the river, I'll fly fish the river floating in Hobies. Um, I'll, then the next weekend we'll pack up, we'll drive three hours West and we'll hit the ocean. We'll bottom fish for lingcod. Yeah. I, one thing I've been wondering is, um, how, how well they will go against a current. Like if I, you know, if I put in on say the sack, which is a pretty big river and it, you know, it flows at anywhere from like 42 to 15,000 and you, you want to yeah. probably, and usually it's somewhere in the middle of that. Um, do these, do these pedal drive systems, do they have enough, power to like you put in it at say i don't know posse can you still get back up out of it if you go down by the bridge or something and then you want to come back so what we do uh, we actually we'll park right there at the sundial bridge parking lot Mm -hmm. throw a cart on our kayaks Mm -hmm. actually walk down and launch underneath the sundial bridge Mm -hmm. and you can sit there and just make loops and loops and loops and loops Uh, Um, because it's all slack underneath the bridge all right yeah um so that gives you access to fishing a river, putting in and putting out at the same and spot. in a really sweet run. Right. And yeah. if you get downstream of that though, um, you get a little swift moving. Yeah. The sack up here is a little faster than the sack yeah. down yeah. your area. So like in Kalu, you know, where I live, Chico, Calus area, do you think that pretty much you can get on the side of the bank and go back against the current pretty easily? If you can find somewhere deep enough to use the pedal drive. Yes. Right. Okay. That's again, the, you're looking at depth. So yeah, if yeah. You're, if you're too shallow, you can't use the fins. Yeah. We have, I mean, I've gotten out and just walked the boat back upstream. Yeah. Um, but that kind of defeats the purpose of having a kayak with a pedal drive system. Have you ever taken a kayak on the coast? 
to oh, do yeah. steelheading on the coast on a kayak? I mean, we've I've been all over the Northern California coast. That's cool. I mean, Trinidad, Eureka, Fort Bragg, Brookings, um, all the way down to like San, Diego, and San Diego Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you do much estuary fishing on with them? I haven't. No. Um, do you know people that kind of are into it? Yeah. There's quite a few people on the coast that do. What are they catching? Is it mostly like, um, what, what do they catch on the estuaries primarily off, off our coast anyway? Um, I mean, I'm not like halibut, smaller halibut. I'm guessing. Actually, I just scrolling through Facebook this morning. Yeah, uh, I'm a part of quite a few kayak fishing Facebook groups. Yeah, um, and there are sense. guys over in like Eureka pulling on halibut right now. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I've caught everything from, I mean, bluegill all the way up through, I mean, salmon on the on the yeah. ocean on the so, salt, those so. guys that the the pro guys that fish on the ocean on the on these kayaks um i'm seeing them catch makos i'm seeing them catch big bluefin tuna tarpon tarpon on some of these fish are as long as their boats oh, and yeah. they're getting drug around for yeah. a while i was out with a, a buddy a few years guys ago, are crazy um and they were pulling on thresher sharks <laughs> over off the coast like yeah you can you can have that yeah <laughs> let's talk about um like what to wear like you know there's there there's so many layers to this it's another expensive thing to get into it it, i'm starting to realize but um you know what what kind of gear do you because you i assume you fish year round out of yours so what what's kind of like a good base package for somebody that wants to utilize that kayak that kayak as much as possible for but still stay comfortable when they're on the water so you can still use, um, like a lot of people think that wearing waders, um, is unsafe in a kayak. Um, essentially it is, but it isn't. I mean, we wear waders during the winter. If we know we're fishing like non-moving water, yeah. we're out of the lake and we just want something to protect ourselves getting in and out of the kayaks. Um, cause they're with a Hobie. If you fall out of a Hobie, especially a pro angler, you're either doing something you shouldn't be doing or you're in water that you shouldn't be in. Um, because they're so stable. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can, like I was showing you, I can fish off the front hatch of a pro angler 14, just standing there. Yeah. I, I probably can't pull it off, but yeah. So, um, a lot of times we do our waders. Um, I'll throw on a waiting belt just in case. Um, but we, I wear my life jacket all the time. So if I do fall in, People always think that wearing waders in the water, you're going to sink. I'm sure a lot of you, your guys know that you don't, as long as you're wearing like a life jacket, the water sort of like, um, becomes equal to the water outside of your Mm -hmm. waders. It's going to be heavy getting out, but we always practice stripping waders off in the water. Um, just so we know we can get out of them if we have to, Mm -hmm. um, anything more than that, we wear dry suits. Okay. So what a dry suit is, it's like a full Gore-Tex suit with, gaskets around the wrists and around the neck um, and if you can layer underneath it if you need to if it's really cold outside if it's cold water um, i mean i've fished in up in almanor when the lake's frozen over so it's i mean just the right clothing for where you're fishing um, yeah i kind of steer people away from wetsuits because wetsuits essentially have to be wet to work right, um, right. it's neoprene so if it's not wet if it's cold out, but you're sitting in the sun, you can still burn. Eat. Yeah, you yeah. get really hot. 
Um, talk about PFDs. First of all, what's it stand? What's PFD stand it's for? A personal flotation device. So and, most people know them by life yeah, jackets. And like literally every video I've watched where it, you would, it's a quote unquote professional kayak angler. They hammer that into your head, wear a PFD, wear a PFD. And it makes sense, but um, kind of talk about the different kinds that are out there. So you've got your, I mean, cheap buckle together um, PFDs that you find in like a power boat. And so you mm-hmm. run like a ski boat and they've got these orange things tucked under the bow. Yeah. Um, those aren't something you would necessarily want to use in a kayak. They're not the most comfortable. Um, and moving around in something that bulky is kind of tough. Um, outside of that, you've got your kind of higher end, say like fishing PFDs. Like the NRS um, Chinook NRS, or something. I use the Chinook personally. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them have higher backs on them, so they're out of the way of the seats. Mm-hmm. Um, they have compartments to store like pliers if you want to, line snips, that kind of thing along with attachments on the life jacket for tethers. Um, That's another thing that can be good and bad. We usually try to tell people not to tether things to your body. Um, If for some reason you did fall out of the kayak that those pliers get caught in the boat or get caught in a tree. Yeah. You're kind of, you're sitting there trying. Yeah. And I see every single pro has a, uh, it looks like a, I don't know, almost like a spec ops knife or something like attached right to right above their heart. And there, it's a real need. It's not to look cool. It's like like you're saying, Brian. If if you get snagged up on your boat and you're over, you need to be able to cut away if you, you get away if, from that thing. if you're on something. Um, so that's why they have them. And then the 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 knives that they use are pretty interesting. So they're like blunted on the tip and they're not sharp on one side, but they're sharp on the other side. And it's just for prying and wedging the knife into a spot without actually either puncturing your your suit right. and impaling yourself, but still being able to cut. Yeah, if you have to cut your life jacket off, yeah. or even for somebody else, if for some reason, say, you're floating yeah. the sack, and your buddy hits a tree, gets flipped, and it gets caught on his life jacket or a tether or something like that, Yeah, that way you're not swinging a steak knife around there trying to... Yeah. Do, well, with, with that in mind, like, with moving water, I assume you don't go by yourself ever, huh? No. Um, yeah. I mean, you always... In my kayak, if I'm fishing the sack, I mean, I've got row ropes just in case someone gets snagged on something um, and just weighs a few more rescue accessories um, along with wearing your life jacket all the time or PFD. Um, yeah. And do you guys have like, a, I'm just kind of jumping around as I think of questions, but do you guys have the concept of like trying the boat out before you, you get it? I mean, do you guys have a place where you can get in the water and mess around? Cause yeah. I know that there's a place right behind um, well, on the sack, but it's that kind of, estuary looking yeah, thing they call it kutris lake yeah um kutris pond is kind of like a smaller pond right off kutris lake and then kutris lake is there's an aqua golf course there yeah um there's a boat ramp a lot of yeah. fly guys put in there because yeah. the sack has a season also so mm-hmm. you have to fish i forget the exact dates but downstream of the 44 bridge certain mm-hmm. months of the year um so a lot of fly guys will put in there and then the outflow the top outflow of kutris lake puts you in pretty much right there at the 44 bridge mm-hmm. so there's a lot of fly guys that use that area too but we take people down there all the time we do demos do you do classes and stuff too we do um we do everything from beginner kayaking classes all the way up through rescue classes um sit on top classes also for um, even fishermen that are looking at yeah. practicing getting back into the kayak 
Well, when, when someone, you know, and I, and I'm asking this question just because for my own self-serving purposes, um, where should I take the kayak first? I have a plan, but I want to know it. What you think I should do? Flat water, some kind of mm-hmm. non-moving lake. Okay. Um, pick a warm day because mm-hmm. I mean, in case lot, I go in exactly. I mean, like I said, the pro angler. I mean, it's it's technically thirteen foot nine. It's not quite fourteen feet, mm-hmm. um, but it is thirty-eight inches wide. Mm-hmm. So it's a big boat. Um, I highly doubt you'll ever accidentally go in with that mm-hmm. boat. Um, but we always highly recommend people to practice. Okay. Um, especially with these bigger fishing kayaks, the sides are so high, even on like the pro anglers. Yeah. Um, getting back into that, I crawl up from the back. Yeah. I've seen videos, guys going from the front or the back, never on the side. Right. It's just so tall out of the water. Um, it's, it's hard to crawl up from the side. And then if you talk about when you flip a a boat that big, how, how do you write a boat that big? So I actually, I crawl up on the boat itself um, Mm -hmm. and then either use like a, like a cam strap or we do have these like rescue stirrups and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um, to tie onto the boat underneath the water. And then you just lean back and And flip the boat back over. Um, They aren't. So if you're upright, they generally shouldn't take on any water at all. If you're upside down, the hatches, they'd like to we like to tell people that they're not a hundred percent watertight. So you will, if you do flip the boat, you'll take on a little bit of water. Um, and then there again, having some kind of manual bilge pump with you mm-hmm. to pump that water back out. Okay. Is definitely key. Okay. Um, let me see what else kind of like rattled through. Oh, anchors. Let's talk about anchors. Cause there's power poles. There's all kinds of shit. There's like power poles. There's traditional anchors. How, how heavy should they be? What's the, you know, sure. why, why a power pole over something else? Can you use them in tandem? Talk about the trolley anchors, all that stuff. Yeah. So we generally use, I mean, we've got just your regular, like five pound anchors that you can throw off the side of the boat and, uh, um, just tie off to the kayak. Um, we usually don't like to recommend people tying things to the boat, especially like an anchor there again. If for some reason, say, a power boat flew past you and didn't mm-hmm. see you and you take on a little bit of water being tied off to an anchor probably isn't the best idea. So that's where we get into like anchor trolleys and ways to quickly get away from that anchor if you had to. So an anchor trolley is, uh, essentially a set of pulleys that you attach to the outside of the boat and it has a, a ring in the middle of the, the rope that runs along those pulleys and it allows you to run trolley that anchor line up to the bow of the boat or the stern of the boat to anchor yourself out wherever you want. Yeah. And it's like, it's basically you're controlling where the, the center line is pole on the boat. So if you're in a, if you're on anchor and you've got a crosswind and you've got the, the, the ring towards the front of the boat, the back of the boat's going to swing out away from the wind and the front will stick right. into the wind and stay anchored. Yeah. And, and it, but you can also switch it to the other end and then the, the exact opposite will happen. You'll your front of your boat, right? Yeah. We'll right. swing away from the wind yep. down, downwind. And you can also kind of like figure out the dead center of the boat and actually have it horizontally into the wind too. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, that gets kind of tough because, I mean, seems like, like you'd be spot, taking water onto and so 
Yeah, then you get into like wind waves, that kind yeah. of stuff that you have to worry about. Yeah, the um, I've seen guys like in where I, I see most of the stuff that I've seen where they're using anchors a lot and the trolleys a lot is in slow moving water. Like right. you kind of like Cottonwood Creek would be a good example, right? Yeah. And where they 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 they're up above a root water, or whatever they're they're thirty feet, forty feet from it, and they they anchor and hold in that spot and then just kind of like cast yeah. and cast right at that structure and, and just crush. But, um, talk about the power pole. Yeah. So power poles have been used on say like bass boats for quite a few years now. Um, yeah. and they came out with a power pole micro God, I don't know, five, six years ago, I would say. Um, and it's just a smaller version of what they use on bass boats. Yeah, it's like a talon, one single prong talon, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's a small electric anchor that runs a spike up and down. Um, they do have different size spikes. Uh, we talked about the other mm-hmm. day, six feet, eight feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do have uh, heavier duty spikes to be used on, say, small aluminum boats. And then light duty spikes that can be used on kayaks, small craft, that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're they're really cool because you, um, you, know, you get the benefits of an anchor, but you can it breaks away under enough stress and right. you also don't have to mess around with the deploy other than hit a button, double yeah, click a button. You, it goes you double down. click down. It goes down yeah. and you can set the amount of pressure that it uses to actually anchor yourself in what yeah. you're anchoring. So depending upon the st- substrate guys, if it's, if it's kind of, you know, silty, you don't need as much pressure, but if it's, if it's more of a rocky substrate, then you got to push the pressure up to get it to spike down. Right. Get right? those rocks. Yep. Okay. Um, like I said, all that can be adjusted. Yeah. Um, and then you do have a manual release too for the anchor. There's actually you can oh, set yeah, up yeah, a, that tether. A, a rope, like a tether that you can pull if for some reason you think you need to get yeah. away. It doesn't actually, you don't lose the anchor. It just allows the anchor to rotate up. Breaks away basically, breaks but away. stays on a hinge. Right. So the, the pole goes flat because that's one downside. If you're, if you're going to fly fish, you've, you do have to be, cognizant of the fact that they're, if the anchor is not deployed and you're fishing you've got eight mm-hmm. feet of of vertical pole Spike. right behind you so right. you just got to mind your back cast and assume you're going to get at least a fly or two into it yeah. i would guess um i mean i've i've wrapped it up quite a few times yeah. trying to cast even conventional casting yeah swing back and next thing you know you're smacking like whoops um but yeah that's it's nice because the the micro still comes with the um, lanyard with the remote. So you can, I guess, double click down to go down, mm-hmm. double click up. And then you can also just, if you click it once, it will go up and down. I think it's like five inches at a time. I can't remember the exact I can't remember. measurement. Um, but downside of the power pole is you only have that eight foot spike yeah. to anchor with. Yeah. So if you're over that depth, it doesn't do you any good. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, Almanor, for example, um, when the lake's really high, there's excellent flats fishing in some spots for bass and also browns that are just kind of sunning. And that's, frankly, why I got it is for that lake um, because I, I want to be able to, like, anchor in two feet, three feet of water and be able to stand up and not have to get out. Right. And be able to sight fish these bigger fish that I'm right now spooking when I roll, run up to them because I'm not seeing them. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be like a game changer for me personally on, on that, which will be cool. And I'm sure I'll find other uses for it as well. Yeah. I use it in there again, like small creeks and rivers and yeah. stuff too, also. Um, obviously, I try to minimize the amount of times and areas that I do spike in, but um, it definitely helps fishing rivers and that kind of thing. But yeah. we can still, even. 
in like the sack. Um, if you don't want to actually use like an anchor or a spike or anything like that, you can yeah. turn the boat around face upstream and just slowly kick that pedal uh, drive. Oh, whoa. And okay. it keeps you in, in you can hold. Yeah, yeah, it makes hold. sense. I mean, we you can hold with a drift boat and pretty minimal rowing. Right. It's kind know, of the same idea. Because they draft so well. Yeah. I mean, okay. Drift boats do draft a little bit better than kayaks. I mean, you've got more of more of a keel to a kayak than say like a drift boat, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take much just to hold position. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie out and you can stay yeah. there for as long there, as you want. The one brand that I really dig is boat. Do you know who I'm talking about? B O T E. Yeah. I love everything that they do. Like their, their product designs killer. I love their branding is just so spot on. And then how they, you know, how they talk about their products and how they frame them in video and everything. Bo- boats are really cool. Is it boat or boot? I, I call know. it boat. Boat. Yeah, me too. But it's a really cool brand. And they have, have you seen their like sup that's powered? Their powered sup. It's like, is it like a, you, you like, can literally put like a four to six horse outboard on the back of it. Wow. It's, no, it's really, really cool. Huh. But, um, I looked at one of those. I'm like, no, it's not practical. If I, if I was in like the Everglades, I would get one, but. Right. Just there's all kinds of not. different power systems, like yeah. pro- propulsion systems. I mean, Bixby is one. I mean, it's an right. electric jet. Right. Um, it's pretty cool. But then there again, you put a motor on a kayak. Even if it's electric, you still have you to get register. Register, the boat, get the red and green lights. I feel like defeats the purpose of a kayak. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I will not put a, boat, a power, any kind of motor on this thing. Um, let's talk about transport because there's. There's quite a bit of stuff there to consider. There's the the dollies you can get for them. There's and I think let's do transport and storage. So the dollies you can get for them, you can trailer them. Why why a trailer versus you know putting on the rack? You can put them up up top over your rig. Can you kind of talk about what the options are and like why you'd want to do one or the other? And we can talk about what our plan is for my truck also. I guess for sure. Um, so you can car top kayaks. Um, people car top kayaks all the time. When you get into these bigger boats. It does get a little more robust. Um, you definitely have to make sure that the rack system on the car is rated for the weight. And then there again, lifting, like we were talking 130 pounds yeah. up on top of your vehicle. I mean, it's it's pretty high up there. Um, so yeah. being able to take advantage of like loading systems, rollers, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff um, definitely helps. It's a lot. Most guys throw it in like the back of a truck, like the bed of a truck. Um, but, but I, I have a forerunner, so it's got to go up on the top. Right. So like you were talking, you've got the ladder off the back. So creating some kind of roller system on the ladder should definitely help. Um, and then Hobie, one thing nice about Hobie is they've designed their own cradles to fit pretty much all of their pedal drive kayaks specifically to that boat. Um, you do have some universal systems, but when you get into these bigger kayaks, they don't really fit very well. So mounting these cradles up on top of like your roof basket, essentially, um, will definitely help slide that thing up on top yeah. of your truck. It's got a, for those people that are looking for, um, rooftop racks right now for like a forerunner, for example, I use a, um, Baja rack. It's the full length one and it's a three inch basket in it all the way across. And it's like, it's built like a tank. I mean, you can, I don't know, you can put a tent on it. You could, I don't know, you could probably put another car on it. It's a little overbuilt, but I dig it. For sure. Um, For something like this. Yeah. For this, it's going to be, I think a pretty good platform. Um, I'm just, I'm going to try it and I'm, we're, we're 
basically what we're doing is putting the Hobie cradles on. I forget what they, what are they called? The, the, um, they just call them cradles. Cradles. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm going to do either some sort of a Yakima makes a, a roller. I forget. I think they call it the sweet, sweet roll. roll. It might be a little too light duty though, but I'm um, some sort of a roller on the very back just to kind of put the, you know, to kind of like shoulder press the front of the boat onto and have a, a point where a hinge point that rolls and I can leverage and push up and onto the top into the cradle and then strap it down somehow. I haven't really just, we haven't got there yet, but yeah, we generally use just regular like cam straps, just pull okay. straps. Like NRS makes great straps. We do have our own branded straps that we use. Okay. Um, don't use ratchet straps on kayaks. Oh, okay. They, Why is that? A lot of people over-tighten ratchet straps, uh, compress the plastic. They're still yeah. plastic, especially yeah. if it's sitting on the top of your, like on the yeah. top of your forerunner and it's 110 degrees outside. Yeah. Plastic gets They're going to tweak. Exactly. You can, you can warp the boat and change the boat. So Okay. That's good to know. End up cracking that's kayaks. very good to know. So uh, am I going to have to lash mine on the very front and then over the, over the hood? Uh, we'll have to see once we get it up there. Yeah. Um, okay. That all depends on how much of the boat is hanging off the front of the vehicle. Yeah. Um, if we it, the, can, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was say if, if we can kind of center the boat and get it somewhat like to yeah. sit where we want it on the rack, um, you shouldn't have Might be to, okay. um, if you're doing, if you're driving like five hours South on I five doing 70 miles an hour, which is uh, very common for me to do. Yeah. Um, it actually probably wouldn't be a bad idea to just at least uh, one okay. bow line. Yeah. I just, I want to try to avoid having to get a trailer for it, but the trailers are nice obviously because they're easier to deal with loading and unloading. And then also if you, um, if you can con one of your friends into getting a kayak, you're going to need to trailer both of the boats. For sure. Yeah. So. I mean, it definitely helps hauling multiple boats. Yeah. Um, one thing about trailers though, is you're stuck to doing 55, which is kind of frustrating sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then, they're a little, you can't quite get into spots that you can with just car topping. Yeah. So you, yeah, you're towing yeah, yeah. trailer. You have to be aware of that. They're a bitch to back up too. So they're so short. The tongue's so short, pain, man. Yeah. Um, um, all right. What else did we, so we covered trailers. We've covered. Talk about transport, walking the boat around or oh, yeah, okay, storage, cool. that kind of thing too. Yeah. So, um, Hobie actually most sit on top kayaks, pretty much all sit on top kayaks have what you call scupper plugs or scupper holes. Um, and that's just a drain hole for water to actually drain out of the kayak. Okay. Hobies reinforce their scuppers to be used with what they call scupper carts. So these carts plug into the bottom of the kayak and allow you to lift like the front or the back of the boat and walk it down to wherever you go. Um, oh. And a lot of times, I mean, we all, all cart kayaks in miles. I mean, there's, there's a pond that we fish, um, kind of Northwest of here. Um, how Where far you, northwest, like latitude, longitude wise? Um, I'm just, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Give me exact points where you, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's, it's like two and a half miles down this trail. Oh my God. To, to get to the pond. That's hardcore. It's, it's awesome. It's worth it. So you, you pack in a 14 foot kayak in there? Something a little, yeah. I don't really take the pro angler. Or okay. Something like that. Okay. Um, I'll pick something a little smaller, a little lighter. Okay. Um, but I, we but do you, it. Yeah. Is it, is it bass? Uh, trout oh cool man that's awesome yeah that's one thing nice about kayaks is you can walk these things into wherever you want yeah i'm looking forward to getting mine out on the water my plan though is to take it to a private i've got a buddy that's got a private bass pond and i'm just going to kind of and it's like six feet all the way across so i'm just going to get a dial you know get comfortable with it 
kind of get some competent, basic competency with it. And then I'll go kill myself. <laughs> go see what kind of trouble you can get into. Yeah, exactly. Let's, I mean, that's one of the main reasons I got into, uh, kayaking is to get into spots that we were essentially sneaking into when we were younger. Yeah. Not yeah. Not necessarily supposed yeah. to be at, but if you're on a kayak, most people don't really care. Yeah. I mean, there's just all kinds of sloughs in the, in the Valley that will, I'm, it's going to be opened up to, you know, with the kayak, which is cool. Oh yeah. And even, you know, I mean, there's quite a few creeks around here that, uh, depending on flows, we float yeah. every year in kayaks. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting on the water and, and trying it out. Like I'm going to, I was, I'm going to do it for hex hatch on an Almanor this year. Cause I think it's just going to be an awesome platform to do that. Um, and, and actually back troll, I think with it and hang the rods out the front, two rods out each side and sure. just go f- straight back. Yeah. I have a buddy that was, a um, or still is a, like a fisheries biologist that lived yeah. out there and he fished it all the time and he was catching, I mean, 30 inch browns on the yeah, kayak. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's, it's really, they're, they're really neat. And, and you know, if you're like, can't afford the big boat, but you still want a lot of boat experience, but without maybe being able to go miles and miles to get to the spot when, when you're on the water, kayak's a good, good idea. Right. And well, even fishing, the way I look at it as a kayak fisherman is a lot of these guys that fish out of power boats, mm-hmm. you pass over so many fish getting to your spot that you mm-hmm. want to fish. Um, even out at like Shasta, uh, we we'll troll for trout and that kind of stuff. And a lot of these guys, they'll try to get up like way up one of these arms yeah, to, to try to catch these it, big trout. I, I imagine it's analogous to like, okay, if you're, you're going to go to the store and you can you get in your car and go to the store or you can jump on your bike and get to the store. Your experience between a and B is way different because you're going slower. You're more in the moment on a bicycle, right? You're going to take in more. You're going to notice more stuff. You're fishing more. And I assume the kayak's kind of similar. It is. I mean, you're you're definitely paying attention to where you're at in the moment and not necessarily where you want to get to. Um, yeah, that's cool. It's, I mean, we we fish. I mean, we'll take off from one of the boat ramps out at Shasta and we'll fish like 100 yards from the boat ramp, like right there from the ramp. We'll fish around the moorings and that kind of stuff where yeah. you can't really use a powerboat to do. Um, you, you can get into quite a few tighter spots and back into coves a little bit more. Yeah. Let's Talk about, um, the community, you know, in, in, in California, like I, I don't, I'm going to be the only person I know that has a kayak. So sure. if I, and I kind of like it that way, to be honest, but if I wanted, if I was, you know, prone to, you know, wanting to go hang out with other kayak anglers and go out as big groups, do there, are there guys that do that? There is. So the kayak fishing community has definitely grown a lot over say the past 10 years, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, there's here in Northern California. Um, there's a group that's it's in CKA NorCal kayak anglers. Okay. Um, there's a big forum online. Um, okay. A lot of those guys are really helpful post hookups. Like, Hey, I'm gone. I'm fishing here on this day. Whoever's close, whoever wants to go. Oh, that's cool. Me. Um, and then a lot of Facebook groups too. Um, and then kayak fishing tournaments have definitely grown also. I've noticed that, yeah. Yeah. And they're starting to get very, I guess you could say dramatic a little bit. Yeah. Super competitive. Back well, because the there's money prizes now. Yeah. yeah. We used to do like kind of a money amongst friends sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like show up, throw on five bucks, big yeah. fish gets 20 bucks for that day. Um, but there's some tournaments, I mean, you can win upwards of 
twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, sometimes it's nutty. Just fishing out of a kayak. Um, it's nutty. You could legit make a living out of kayak fishing now. Who are um, who are some of your favorite YouTubers to follow that are kayak fishermen? Uh, well, I've fished with um, um, God, what's his name? Is it an Asian dude out of the bay? Greg Blanchard. Yeah, yeah. Greg's he's a cool dude. Yeah, he seems like it. And he he's a hell of a fisherman. That guy yeah. can catch fish. His um, YouTube channel is awesome. If you guys don't know about it, you should. Yeah, Every cool. everything he rips, he actually puts the bait on the bottom left corner of the screen, so you know exactly what he's fishing. So yeah. that's important because, and I'm talking conventional stuff now, but it's important. It's been helpful for me because I will see what bait he's put on, and then I'll watch his cadence and his his retrieve. You know, just like what he's doing with the rod, and also what he's how fast or slow he's cranking it, and all that right. stuff. So you kind of get an idea of. All right. Um, if it's a creature bait, you're gonna he's gonna fish it a certain way, or yeah, he'll talk about what the situation. Yeah, he'll talk about the situation and then like rig it up differently for that. So it's been it's been pretty educational to watch him, and he's really you know very open with his info, which is cool. He doesn't talk about where specifically he fishes, but he talks. He's very open about why he fishes and why he does it and the techniques he employs. You right, know? and what he's fishing with, yeah, and how he's fishing. Um, yeah. another guy that's a fairly big YouTuber is Robert Fields. I've probably watched it, but yeah, I, he does it's not ringing any bells. A lot of like trips down in like Los Buzos and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's cool. There's a lot of saltwater fishing. Yeah. I mean, the saltwater thing is I, you know, I'm like really f- looking forward to getting into some estuaries this summer and, and fall. It's fun. You know? Yeah. I love yeah. the salt. I have fishing no fucking clue awesome. what I'm going to do when I get out there. You know, like I don't, I don't know what species I'm targeting. I'm just going to be floun- floundering, but whatever. You're out there. That's yeah. all that matters. Um, yeah. No, Figure it out. There's uh, another guy uh, out west with Chris, Chris Sartain. Okay. Um, I think I've seen guy. some he's of his. Out of, like the SAC area. Yeah. There's um, a guy, Chad something. I forget his last name. He's his. I like his stuff too. He's pretty knowledgeable. He's like a hardcore pro guy. A little yeah, bigger dude. Like Chad Hoover. Maybe. Yeah. So he actually, um, he runs uh, KBF, kayak bass fishing. Yeah. That's the guy. Yeah. yeah. They, um, they're pretty much like the biggest okay kayak bass fishing series in the u.s okay, um, okay. yeah they're nice guys uh, there's i mean there's a lot of tournaments going on down in like the sack the bay that area yeah. central california yeah it's gonna be it's cool you know i've I, like i said i i started doing conventional stuff a couple of months ago because my i've got just got this chronic shoulder thing and if i fly fish too much it just goes really it goes south really fast so i have to kind of like do the fly fishing thing which i still like to do over conventional um but i've learned so much watching guys conventional fish um and then doing it myself ultimately and it's just when i take newbies out with me it's like it's easier to have a you know give them a spinning rod and and rig it like maybe a fly rod or whatever than it is to show them yeah or like yeah yeah and if I know if I know that they're gonna want they want to get into fly fishing and they want to commit to it, I'll just I won't bring the conventional stuff. But they, if they're just coming out to like fart around and catch fish, I'm not gonna you know shackle them to a fly rod because I don't want to handicap them. It's just much easier for them to, to be have success that day if they're gonna use a conventional system. But I much prefer to catch fish on a fly rod, and the main reason is the feel. You know, it's that it's that initial feel and take and just the tactile feel on the line versus a conventional rod. And then even though I, I do like the challenge of fighting fish, 
more on a fly rod also than conventional because the conventional stuff you got it dialed in if you hook up your landing ratio is pretty freaking yeah, high you, you know and, yeah and, and like if the if the fish runs on a fly rod your you know your your pulse goes through the roof and if it runs on the on a conventional rod i'm just like huh okay the drag's gonna deal with it <laughs> yeah. and if it runs at me i just reel harder but fly rod if they run at you or they take a big run it's like that's when it's that's the whole fucking point you know yeah. that's why it's so cool and so fun and from my perspective you know well it's even just watching videos of guys catching like going for like permit and stuff yeah my, like my heart gets racing just yeah. watching videos like that it's yeah, like, but then you watch somebody hook into a bass it's like oh yeah yeah but and, and just you know the the difference between fly line ripping through the water and the sound it makes versus you know, 10, 20 pound mono or floral ripping through the water is night and day. So there's just, there's the oral thing or the, uh, the auto, the audio thing over the top of it. There's just the, the kinetic energy of the line and the water happening with the fly rod. It's just, I don't know, man, I I'm starting to love, I'm starting to love them both for different reasons, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, I mean, depends on the day yeah. for me, essentially. Yeah. But the, I just want to go out and catch fish. The conventional stuff is cool though, because if you get your, you get your gear dialed in like the, like the, uh, the bait caster rod or reel dialed into the weight of the bait with in tune to the line and the rod that you're using. Like, it's like hitting, you know, that, that crack of a home run, you know, when it, when you get it dialed and it's so very not often that I can do that, but occasionally I can with it. So, but I'm getting better. It just takes time. You got to learn how to tune it like a, like anything else, I guess going from throwing like a, big old like Huddleston swim bait to bass fishing with like a spinning setup. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Definitely. But I'm, I do like to have both a a fly rod and a conventional rod on the boat now because I'm, I'll pick one up one minute and then go to somewhere else and be like, uh, this would probably be better with the conventional rod and just put the fly rod down and grab the conventional rod and do my thing. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I even have some buddies that fly fish, in the ocean out of kayaks yeah yeah it's like yeah talk about kind of skill based and yeah it's it's awesome to watch yeah it's it's fun man like i don't know i just i still do like catching big fish on on fly rods better it's just just the take you know like a throwing a big swim like a jig for example on a on a conventional rod and the take the difference between a take on a jig on a conventional rod versus the same size fish on a fly rod is just night and day. It is, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like 10 times worse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's even better out of a kayak. That's I'm looking forward to find, get learning that firsthand, man. Well, thank you very much for, um, you know, taking care of me the last three weeks as I've asked all these dumb questions and all the education you've provided. Um, how do, you know, if folks are curious about maybe getting into a kayak kind of a, kind of a situation, and this was a, I want to make, make it very clear and transparent. This was not a paid infomercial. I just wanted to do the podcast with some, with you because I think it's just a really cool, cool thing to get into. Um, but how do people, um, find you guys online and stuff like Instagram, website, all that. Um, we, there's actually I guess you could say two headwater shops. Yeah. Um, there's one in Lodi, California, one in Redding, California. Okay. Um, we are Headwaters Adventure Company. So okay. head, headwatersadventure.com, um, Headwaters Adventure on Facebook and Instagram. 
And then we do have a joint YouTube channel called Headwaters Kayak. And it's very good. And yeah, we're, we try to review everything from cheap, like Walmart style kayaks all the way up through Hobies and that kind of stuff. Just to let people kind of look for the information themselves and we'll be straightforward and honest with you. If we don't like it, we don't like it. Um, we're not going to beat around the bush about it. So we've educated a lot of people just between all of our like social media accounts on what, what to purchase, why to purchase it, that kind of stuff. And then just come into the shop. I mean, we'll spend hours or like with you weeks (laughs) with one person just to make sure it's what you want and how you want it. And, um, once you purchase the boat, we'll get into like rigging, especially for kayak fishing. Um, what to put where, why we would use this, why we don't use this, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then when it comes time to actually, you know, you get the, you get the boat, um, you can come here and Brian will basically walk you through getting it ergonomically set up for you, you know, for your, where you want stuff. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to keep the right hand, for example, the right hand side of my boat gunnel clear because that's going to be my, that's my dominant hand. And I just don't want a lot of shit over there first, you know, if I'm stripping or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. Just figuring out like, like you said, rigging on kayaks, why it works for you, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, we can definitely get you set up. We've even got a pool here at the shop. Yeah. I saw that. That was cool. Throw kayaks in just so people can get the fuel yeah. form and that kind of stuff. Cool, man. All right. Well, I think we got probably an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, minus a few interruptions. So it was good. I'll edit it together and no one will know the be No, there's any, any <laughs> one funkiness smooth, going on. All right, cool. Well, that was, that was Brian with headwaters adventure company up in Reading. Um, check them out. Thank you guys for listening. I hope this, this buyer buyer's guide episode was, was helpful. Um, you know, as I get a little more, um, into this, this part of the sport, I'll, I'll probably be doing more, more kayak episodes in the, in the future. If you guys want to listen to them, um, cool. Just let me know. Um, next week, I don't know. I was almost going to say like, Oh, here's who we have on next week. I have no idea who we're going to have on next week because this might be three weeks or four weeks out before it actually goes live. So who knows? So I'll scrap that. Um, I'm rambling now and that usually means it's time to go. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening. You guys, if you want to um, leave a, a review on in or on f- iTunes, Google play, or wherever to get you your podcast, please do uh, follow us on uh, Instagram, barbless.co or on Facebook, barbless.co. Um, if you guys are looking for hats, we have hats up for purchase. We're going to be, um, and that's gear.barbless.co. We're going to um, be adding some new, new swag here soon as well. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good weekend, weekday, or whatever time it is, and stay safe. Bye. Special thanks to our sponsors. Without them, this show would not be possible. Like this episode? Leave a review. Grab some gear or become a Patreon supporter. Links are in this episode's description. This show is part of the Barbless Podcast Network. For sponsorship inquiries or general questions, please email fishon at barbless.co. No better, fish better. This has been an AMP Audio Production.